Welcome to Fitness in the World with Benjamin Kasanji. When you're in this darkness, let the light in the darkness be seen. But it's true, we have a real light in the darkness. And all we are required to do is to believe, only believe, only believe. What do we need to believe? The word of God, what he said. Today it is not trendy to believe the word of God. It is not cool to believe the word of God. Yeah, I, I told you this on Sunday. If, they, if Jennifer Lopez is brought to Nairobi and they tell her, they say she's going to talk about marriage. Hundreds of thousands are going to be there. What does she know about marriage? How many has she sustained? But you see, because she's famous, everyone is going to want to listen. And so you see today, famous people are telling us on how to. A famous person will stand on TV and say, there is nothing like God speaks. I, I also believe in God, but hearing voices, and everyone will follow that. Why? Because whatever we consider learned, is now above the word of God. Whoever is the trendsetter, it is worth listening to Bill Gates than listening to a man of God. The world has got it upside down, and the world is in for a shock. And some of us may pay the price. Praise the Lord. We may pay the price. We may be taken through things. We may even be arrested. A number of things may happen to us. Hallelujah. But we are pioneering. We are paving a way that years to come, people shall enjoy the gospel in its power in this nation. That it will not be foreign, it will not be shocking that the first reference when a relative is sick is church. That it will not be shocking, it will be so normal. It will be so normal because that's what it's meant to be. That's what it was in the Bible days. Paul gets to this island after the shipwreck and he's taken to this guy's dad who had a fever. Paul was not a doctor. But they knew what children of God carry. But you see, today you come to church even when you're sick. The first thing you ask, have you seen a doctor? There's nothing wrong with seeing a doctor. Praise the Lord. But should that be our first response? What if I have an incurable disease? You get it? He said, go lay hands on the sick. He didn't specify the disease. He didn't say if it's contagious, social distance, keep them away from church. He said, go lay hands on the sick. I believe God is raising such a people. A people that believe the word of God. And no matter what is trendy, no matter what has come, you listen to, to the radio, they talk about sexual purity. It is, it, it is, it is, it is looked at as a cake. It's a cake. It's, it's old-fashioned. You get it? You want to get married to this person and you've not slept with them. Where are you from? Which century are you coming from? And many Christians bow to that. Many Christians feel, okay, I need to fit in. No, God didn't call you to fit in. He called you to stand out. That is why he said in, 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 in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation. Yeah? You are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. And he said you are called to show forth his praises. You are called to shine his praises. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Man, he's called us out of darkness. And today darkness is trending. And many Christians want to bow to darkness. Yeah? Let's go on verse 10. Which in time past were not a people, but 
and now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Imagine, we were nothing. We were nothing. And he has called us. In, it's Isaiah, what? Isaiah, Isaiah 60, Isaiah 60, Isaiah 60. Is it 60? 13, 60, 13. He says that you, are, NIV says, you will be called a planting of the Lord, ox of righteousness for that display of his splendor. And the more you see that the world around you is not in line with what the word of God says, you know it is opportunity for you to be called the ox of righteousness. It is opportunity for you to show forth his splendor. Because how are you going to show forth his splendor if you're like, you're like them? Praise the Lord. I've heard this when people are organizing for weddings. The ladies, they normally say, I don't want to put, I don't want to outdress the, the bride because it's her day. She should be the one shining. You get what I'm saying? So they let her have that dress. I wonder why they make it so long, yet they carry it the whole day. I'm still figuring out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just, forgive my ignorance. I just, <laughs> you see, the bride will stand out. You get it? If she just dresses like anyone, she will not stand out. Everybody will be wondering, who is the bride? But when she shows up, whether they knew her or not because of how she's dressed, they will know her. God has not called us to fit in. God has called us to stand out. Praise the Lord. That is why he's called us a peculiar people. And that is why many times when the power of God comes upon you, when a fresh anointing comes upon you, one thing that you realize is that there is a sense of consecration. Even maybe right now as we were worshiping, some of you are feeling that. As the power of God came upon you, you just realize I'm not ordinary. You just realize that there is a sense of worth about you that you've never felt. Praise the Lord. And that is why when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, after he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him, he says, he led him to the wilderness to be tempted. He was led away from people to the wilderness where he, he was tempted. This was a kind of consecration. This was a kind of being set apart. I'm not for ordinary use. I'm not ordinary. You know, when, when we talk about holy, 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 is not, holy is very different from righteous. Many Christians don't get the difference, but holy is very different. There were holy vessels. You get it? But you didn't find righteous vessels. You get it? You didn't find, oh, this pot is righteous. You never read that in the Bible. But there were pots that were holy. There were, were clothes that were holy. Why? Holy means set apart. Not for casual use. Praise the Lord. So whatever was in the, whatever was in the temple, whatever was, re, re, whatever was, re, was, was called holy, like the mercy seat and what, you would not find the mercy seat, you would not find that, Somebody has just gone in the temple and they are just seated at the mercy seat. And they are seated there. Because it's holy. Now, if these materials were considered holy and they were treated with so much reverence like that, the Ark of the Covenant was holy, that there were a particular people that were assigned to carry the Ark of the Covenant, that not any ordinary person would touch it. And if they touched it, they died. Hallelujah. How much more you, praise the Lord, that time God dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant behind 
behind the stage somewhere there in the Holy of Holies where the priest would go once in a while. But now he has made you the temple. Praise the Lord. It is you that he dwells in. It is you that carries him. How would you carry your life understanding that? And that is why that comes. I've told you about when, when I was in high school, 17 years of age, the power of God came upon me. I shook under the power for three months. Every time I, would, I could never stand straight like this. Every time I stood, I would be shaking like this. Every time. Huh? You're laughing. I pray that it happens to you. <laughs> for three months. But you see, during that time, I was cut off movies. I was cut off watching soccer. I was... They didn't appeal to me. They didn't test at all. I was just in the Bible. I was just watching sermons. A setting apart. I'm not for ordinary use. And many people would look at me as a youth. I'm wasting my life. This is the time for you to enjoy this and this. this is, but I knew that I was not for ordinary use. I had been set apart. Like Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse Chapter 3, verse 12, yeah? not that I have apprehended, yeah? but that I may apprehend that for which I was also apprehended. He chose one thing, to forget the former things and pursue this high calling that had come upon him. Paul knew that he was different. He can't fit in like everyone else. And that is why he says that, he says, Death works in us a more excellent glory. He says that though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. He talks about many of these things. He says everything is expedient. I mean, everything is permissible, but not everything is expedient, and I will not be just subject to the power of any. Why does Paul say these things? He was telling these people in the church, there are things you can enjoy that I can't enjoy. They are not sin, they are not wrong, but I can't just enjoy and as God calls you, you're going to find that there are certain things that God will tell you. That are, the, the, the problem is that when we go through, when, when, when we experience God like this, the, the issue has been when men make these things doctrine. They, they are not doctrine. It is your personal relationship with God. Praise the Lord. So I, 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 it would be wrong if I preached and said watching movies is wrong. Watching soccer is wrong. You, you get what I'm saying? That would be wrong. But it would be wrong for me to violate it. It, it, it's not sin. You get it? Sin would be in disobeying God that he's called me to a certain kind of life. You get married. There are some of you, God will tell you, you can only have two children because of the work that I've called you to do. You get it? So you don't go and preach it and say, every man of God must have two children. You get what I'm saying? But you see, that will come. There are, there are certain things that God will just instruct you. God told me when I got in college, he told me, don't date, never get in a relationship. Is it wrong to get in a relationship while in college? No, it's not wrong. But me, it was that. I could not do what he had called me to do. College was, was like my Bible school. That is where God set me up for ministry. And immediately I finished college, he sent me to ministry. I didn't ever get opportunity to go work a job or to do what. He sent me direct in ministry. So that is why it was so crucial at that time he was preparing me. There are things that had to be cut off. There are many things like that. So as the power of God comes upon you, there are certain things that he's going to speak to you that may not make sense to those around you. But you should say like Peter, should we obey men or God? Should we obey men or God? Hallelujah. We were singing the hymn, Trust and Obey. He said, 
Uh, how does the first, the first stanza go? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his name, he sheds on our way. We will do his good way. He abides in our soul. You know, like while we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey, there is no other way yeah, to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And you know, trust means you don't know it fully. You get what I'm saying? That is what trust means. You sit on an aeroplane, you're told, KQ, this, 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 your captain is Mutiso. <laughs> you know, one time I was on a plane and the, <laughs> the captain was called Mutiso. <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> Say, this is your captain, Mutiso. It's a Kenya, a Kamba, Manu's namesake. <laughs> I never forget that one. <laughs> but you see, he will tell you, yeah, we are ready to take off. We will, there, there is what? There will be turbulence as we take off, but at this altitude, we will... You know, he says all that. And you buckle your belt. You trust him. You know nothing about avionics. You know nothing. Even if you asked how many feet were you flying, you don't remember. <laughs> but you see, you trusted him. You don't know whatever. You don't even know the direction you're flying in. You, you just know where you're going to arrive. You know we are going to this airport. So <laughs> you don't know how you set off. You don't know. But you trust. You get what I'm saying? That is just an example, but a mild example of how we trust God. There are things he's going to lead us in that we may not know fully. We may not understand fully. And many times, because the world seems so comfortable... The world seems to be living in the known. We opt for the known. Which known is so trivial? Which known is so, is a very low level compared to what he has for us in the unknown? Whatever we choose normally in the known, as appealing as it seems, it is not first class. What he has for us is the first class. So many times we opt for the unknown. He said, God has told us, like God told, like we knew we are, we are getting a building. We came and prayed here. You see, we are thinking, do we have that rent? Do we have that what? We didn't. We didn't know we didn't have that rent. We didn't. You get it? But we are here. We are just here for one month. Lockdown comes. You get it? So the unknown. So you're thinking now you've just got a new venue. You're still working on it. Now the lockdown has come. You're not even going to meet. How are you going to pay? But I'm telling you, it is the, this is the, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things that ever happened to us during the lockdown. Having a venue, we've been able to do many things. This Sunday, we are finishing Prima classes. The people that have been going through Prima classes during the lockdown. On Sunday, we are doing the last class. Twelve classes. And we had, we, we, these have been 12 weeks. Yeah? They, we've done the live services. We've been recording from here. We've been doing from here. A number of things have gone on. And God has not failed to provide any month. There is no month. We failed to pay for this place. Praise the Lord. Actually, we've just been going and going and going. We've been able to do almost all the obligations that we, we, we've had during this time. And so when that happens, when God sets you apart, many times where he's leading you, it may be in that unknown. Paul says in Galatians, Galatians 1.15, 
But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, you're not, in me, I immediately did not confer with flesh and blood. I did not confer with how I felt. I did not confer with what was cool. I did not confer with what people were saying. I did not confer with what was trendy at that time. Immediately, I... Immediately, he says, immediately, I, I, I went to, he went to Arabia. I did not, I immediately did not confer with flesh and blood. Neither I joined those that were apostles before me in Jerusalem, but was led to Arabia. This was Paul. He didn't, he didn't confer with flesh and blood. Many times, this is how we quench the spirit. You see, when the Bible tells us, do not quench the spirit of God which is a totally different thing from grieving the Spirit of God. I wonder why people confuse it. But you see, when he says, do not quench the Spirit of God, to quench is to put out a fire. Praise the Lord. So when the power of God comes upon you, like in such a service, there's a consecration that you feel. Sometimes you leave this service, and you, when you're getting home, you don't, you, don't, you don't feel like talking to anyone. You don't feel like, and let me tell you, it's okay. It's okay. Let them say that day was bad. For, they are just not going to like you for two minutes. and Sometimes it may be for two weeks, but when you call them for pizza, ah, you're friends again. People are easy to buy back. Don't worry about that. So when... when at times, so you leave, you feel like you don't want to talk to anybody, you just want to run home, then you just stay around. What will they think? What will they think if I stayed around? What will they think about me? And you, you give up a grand gift that God has given to you because of what they will think. You get home, you have a roommate, you're like, what will he think if I tell him I don't want to eat today? I just want to pray, I'm not going to bed. And you give up what God has given and now you're quenching. That means you're quenching. You're quenching the Spirit of God. To have that experience again, it may require you to really, really cry out to God. It may be hard to get that experience again. That is why in the Bible, you see, whenever he called these people, they had to say yes. They said yes to him because as you say yes to him, the fire keeps burning. The fire keeps burning. And it starts with some of those small, small things. That's why you should be very quick to respond to spiritual instruction. Have you seen people who say, nowadays I don't feel the presence of God at all. I pray, I try to kneel. Look at this ministry. Look at Ratsi. There is no single day you've come for the service of God, for the service here. And it's been void of the presence. You get it? For all these years we've been running, when you come here, you will automatically experience the presence of God. That is not what I experienced growing up. What I experienced growing up, some services were, then one day God showed up. Then we were like, hey, that service, people were crying. People were, you see, here it's every service. Why? Because when I was young, growing up, and I would be in services that just seemed dry, I hated it. And I said, God, I don't want that. If you ever trust me with your presence, I will still want it. Praise the Lord. That's why we start, we speak in tongues. We worship. No matter how short it's going to be. Like here, we have to finish at 7. So we can't say because we're going to finish at 7, we're not going to have worship. No. 
I don't ever want to come for a service and not experience the presence of God. I don't ever want that. But you see, it comes with you stewarding what he has given to you. We may say, oh, it's not cool to have people falling, to have people lying down, to have people crying. Why don't we stop that? There are people we are missing. The poor are not coming in our church. Dignitaries shall not come to our church if people are falling. To hell with dignitaries. Jesus is enough. His presence is enough. Let's only have street guys with the presence of God. We don't care. Praise the Lord. What is better than his presence? You know, some of these arguments I hear from pastors, I'm like, are you a fool? Okay, normally there are many. Are you fools? <laughs> Forgive my English. But <laughs> as in, you, you know, you, 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 you're treasuring an MP to the presence of God, a corrupt guy who is not going to be even elected next elections. Do you see how our standards are just, Yeah. So never, this that God has given you, never treat lightly. Many people begin speaking in tongues, and when they start praying, they fear. They just start whispering, one day you will want to pray in those tongues. And you're just saying, ba 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 Praise the Lord. Steward it. Use it. Use it. Leave this place. Meditate upon that word. And you know, someone may say, I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not called to be a minister. The more. Actually, you need it even more. <laughs> At least me who is called to be a preacher every time I'm surrounded by the choir. Um, all my work is to do with the presence of God. You who is not called to be a preacher, you need to harness it more. Because you're, the, you're going to be out there. Praise the Lord. You're going to be out there. You're surrounded with every other person who doesn't carry the presence of God. So it is only from you. For, for us here, when we start work here as Ratsi office, we pray for one hour and we pray in tongues. How many of you work in such places? So you see, for us, it's easy. Walk over. <laughs> Nobody's coming here to bribe us. No one ever comes here to bribe us. Please baptize my son. <laughs> no. <laughs> no one ever comes to do that. <laughs> You know, many times people think that if I'm not called in the fivefold in the in the church in the clergy, I don't need to know God as much because I'm called to the world. You need more, actually, because yours. Look at the people in the Bible that were not called in the church. Look at what they had to go through. Look at Daniel. Look at Daniel's lifestyle. The only man praying in the country three times. He became a vegan for 10 days. Is it 10 days? I can't imagine. But look at Daniel. Look at Daniel's life. Look at Meshach, Abednego, and Shadrach. These are the guys put in fire. These, they were not the cold preachers. The preachers were in the temple, protected. <laughs> They were always there protected. People that were called in this other, in the world, needed to have a real deep relationship. Because they were going to encounter these kind of people every day. People who are anti-godly. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You, God, has called you for something great. God has called you for something special. I'm just saying that to tell you, know your worth and live your worth. Live like God has called you to live. 
Praise the Lord. Live like God has called you to live. When I knew that I would walk free, like because God was calling me to teach our gospel, that to teach us to be, I teach people to be debt free. There is no good verse about debt in the Bible. Do you know that? Read the whole Bible. You're not going to find anywhere that God blessed his people with debt. And now God told the king of Israel, I have prepared the king of Samaria to give you a loan. You, you, you see, there is nothing like that. When he talks about debt, he says it is for the foolish. When he talks about debt, he says it is, he, he says a debtor is a slave to the, to the lender. As in, there is nothing good. When he talks about, he says you shall be a lender, not a borrower. He, as in, that's all he talks about. So, part of this consecration, I, I, I just finished high school, I think. Didn't even have a smartphone. That was when? 2009, 2000, 2010. And you see, it was very easy. By that time, I don't know if Safaricom had that already, but MTN in Uganda already had, you could still Okoa Jahazi. And you know it's lying. You're not acquiring. You know, Jahazi is a ship. Okoa is to save. <laughs> you're sinking it. You're not... <laughs> There is, no, there is no ship you're saving with that money. There is no ship you're saving. Many times you borrow, then you realize, wow, it's gone. What did I do? So imagine as early as that time, God told me, don't borrow airtime. So I didn't borrow airtime. For three weeks, I didn't have airtime on my phone. Because I didn't have any money. I didn't, I didn't, in three weeks, I didn't get even 10 bob. You get what I'm saying? And still... I didn't die. There was no emergency call. I realized all along, it's a habit. It's bondage. Actually, I would not die not having airtime on my phone. That's how I got to know that I'm going to live my life debt-free. Nothing is that serious. Praise the Lord. But you see, during that time, it would be possible to ignore that. And today I would be teaching things, different things. I'll be telling you, all oh, those who talk about you being debt-free, uh, those Christians are just too much. That's what I would be saying. But you see, I learned it. There was that price to pay. I learned it. And there are many things like that that God is going to pray for. God has called many of you to be in business. And it is just such small things he's going to tell you. He's going to tell you, don't borrow 50 bob. Don't. Yeah? He's going to tell you, walk from Langata to town. You think, hey, that is too much. You don't know that you're forfeiting your Range Rover, you'll be driving from Langata to town just because you could not walk one day. <laughs> Hallelujah. At times, there's going to be a price to pay in the discipline. The Bible says in the message version in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, let's read in the message. It says that in the beginning, at the beginning, in the beginning, at that time, Discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it is the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. It is the well-trained. God has a discipline for his people. But many times when we abscond the discipline, we continue suffering the same bondage, the same bondage, over and over and over and over. If I did not train myself not to borrow airtime at that time, you get it? 
I will not be able to stand not borrowing a day to paying my rent and I don't have the rent. You get it? But the test was passed many years ago. Praise the Lord. Because you're going to realize that at times you borrow and you're like, why did I even borrow? All it took was to just talk to your landlord and he would accept. It would, maybe you would even tell a matatu guy, I don't have fare. Please let me just stand. And he would have taken you. But because you're used to it, it is the run to option. You always go to it. And many things like that, God sets us for that. God is, so God is setting you apart. I'm, I'm, I'm giving all those scenarios because many of those scenarios are going to happen to you, especially because of what God has called you for. Whatever God has called you for, you're going to see some of those things happening in your life. Let's read Romans 10.10. 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart man believes. With the heart man believes. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, believing, receiving righteousness, it's with the heart. Righteousness is you standing before God without any sense of guilt or inferiority, knowing that the price was paid. The righteousness that we have is not self-righteousness. It is a righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus gave his righteousness for us, so we come and receive his righteousness. That is how we get born again. We receive his righteousness by believing in our heart. I believe he paid the price for me. And when I believe he paid the price for me, I am born again. It is not confession that makes you born again. Now, I know that will shake many people because that is what has been preached all over. There is nowhere in the Bible where it says that you confess to get born again. It's not anywhere. It's not anywhere. I've read the Bible cover to the maps. There is nowhere that it says it is by confession that you get born again. Hallelujah. Because you see, when you receive his righteousness, you are born again. Because you can't receive his righteousness unless there's a regeneration. There's a new heart planted in you. But he says confession is made unto salvation. Sozo. This righteousness that you've received, sozo is like us living out the righteousness. That one is made by the mouth, by confession, by your mouth. So when we require people to come and stand up who have never given their life to Jesus Christ to confess what they have believed, it is you helping their faith. You're setting them on a path. Praise the Lord. But you see, th that is not when they get born again. Getting born again is when they accept it and believe it in their heart. But now confession is made unto salvation. In my heart, I've already believed. I believe that by his stripes I was healed. I, 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 I received the righteousness. So when I received his righteousness, his righteousness came with everything. Praise the Lord. I was healed. I'm not guilty anymore. My sins Past, present, future were dealt with by Jesus on the cross. I believe everything, it is there. So how does this life, how can this life be seen in my everyday life? It is by confession. It is by confession. That is why he talks a lot about the tongue. That's why he talks a lot about the mouth. That's why he talks a lot about your mind being renewed because you're going to speak from the abundance of the heart. From what is in the heart, you're going to speak. Praise the Lord. And... If we believe in our heart, Paul says, we believe so we speak. We believe so we speak. So what do you believe? 
Why is it that many people have not spoken life during this season? It is because they don't believe it. Because we would speak as we believe. All of us as Christians spoke about healing. We spoke about God's protection. We spoke about how it shall not come near us. We claimed, we touched TVs, we jumped, we said, I receive. We say, you know, we, we do all these gimmicks when there's no real trial. You get it? Man of God is on TV and he says, whatever comes shall not touch you. Yes, I receive, man of God. <laughs> then Corona comes. <laughs> like, you need to be wise. <laughs> it may touch you. What were you receiving? You did not believe. This is the time. I like, I was watching Bill Johnson was preaching yesterday in Kenneth Copeland's conference. And he said something that we are so blessed. We are so privileged to be the Christians in a pandemic. Few Christians have had the opportunity to show their light in a pandemic. To show their light. There has never been such a global lockdown worldwide. So we are so privileged that the world can look at us as the beacon of hope. That we have this sameness before the lockdown, during the lockdown, after the lockdown. That we are the same. We still carry the power of God. We still say it. We still believe it and say it. We believe what he said about us. And I told you on Sunday that this is a very good moment for your light to shine. Because of the darkness. As small as your light is, if there is darkness, it's very easy to see that light. Because of darkness. There are many lights that we are seeing right now, even outside. Some of those lights have been on during daytime. Some of the lights we are seeing. But during daytime, we didn't see them. But gross darkness. When darkness comes, we see those lights. Hallelujah. There are lights that are ever on. These lights on masts. These telecom masks and what? Some of those lights are on throughout the day. But you see, you never see them. But at night you see, oh, there's a red light. There's a light over there. And some of them have been on throughout. Why? Darkness has come. This is a time for your light to shine. And your light will shine if you believe this word of God. John 4, 46 to 53. John 4, 46 to 53. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he met the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The noble man saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. You can underline believe there. And the man believed the word. Now let's continue. And as he, he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when, the, when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. 
So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed and his whole house. You see, earlier on he's told us he believed the word of God. But now he's telling us he believes again. Let's read, let's read that in NLT, verse 53 alone, in NLT. Then the father realized that that, that was the same, the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Believed in Jesus. He believed his word, but he didn't believe in Jesus. Now to believe in Jesus, the Amplified says, to put full trust, to adhere to, to rely on. Praise the Lord. Adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Jesus. He believed his word, but he did not rely on him. He earlier on believed his word. When you ask many Christians, can God heal? Yes! You get it? But you ask them, why are you so scared during this season? Have you heard how corona is spreading? You get what I'm saying? So they believe he heals, but they can't rely on him for their own healing. They can't rely on him. They don't yet trust him fully. They think it may happen sometimes, but sometimes it may not. Praise the Lord. But he's saying, this man, at this time now, the man believed in Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 9, he says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he shall convict the world of sin. And he says, of sin, because they do not believe on him whom he sent. Demons believe, but they don't believe on him. You get what I'm saying? He says, demons believe, they even shudder, they tremble. But they don't rely on him. They don't believe on him. Now, in our heart, we believe, we decide to rely on him. Jesus told the man, Jesus told the, the, the man who came to him, who brought his, let's read it in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Mark 9, 23. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And yet you realize earlier, if you read, we'll not get there, but you will write down Genesis, Genesis 18, 14, Jeremiah 32, 27. When you read, he's saying, is there anything impossible for God? He says, nothing is impossible for God. We read even in the New Testament, when the disciples ask him, then who shall inherit the kingdom of God? Who can go to heaven? When he told them it's easier for a rich man to enter, into you see what shows that these disciples knew that they were going to be rich. God says it will be easier for what to go to it's easier for a camel to pass through an idol's eye than for a rich man. And the disciples were like, Wow, we are doomed. So who can enter the kingdom? <laughs> they knew that they were going to be rich. They knew that because <laughs> if, if they were not rich, they would not fear. But <laughs> there is nothing wrong with being rich. <laughs> Even the disciples knew, and Jesus didn't rebuke them. So you also want to be rich? No, that's not what I said. He just told them, to man, some things are impossible. But with God, <laughs> can be a billionaire and just step in heaven in style. <laughs> the better, because when you step out of earth, your things can be used by somebody else <laughs> because you are a billionaire. <laughs> so you leave earth also blessed a bit. <laughs> but you see, he's saying, with God, all things are possible. 
Yet now in Mark 23, he's telling us that whoever believes to him, all things are possible. In other words, believing puts you in that God kind of life. Because initially he said it is only to God that all things are possible. But now he's saying that you, if you believe, to you all things become possible. To you. He says we sing that he's, he's the God of impossibilities. He's the, nothing is impossible to him. Nothing is impossible to me because I believe. He put me at that level. He put you at that level. Nothing is impossible to you. Only believe. Now, this is the gospel that should be preached today. This is the gospel that people have run away from. This is the gospel that was preached in the 70s and the 60s. That is why in those meetings, Branham meetings, A.A. Allen, all those meetings, they used to sing songs like, what? Only believe all things are possible. Only believe. As in only believe. Don't add anything. So when, you, when they came for meetings, if you saw when Branham was there, it's like, do you believe? They brought people. They brought people with amputated legs. They brought, and they asked them, do you believe? Only believe. That is what they require those people. Look at the people with A.A. Allen. A lady came who was about what? 500 pounds. Was it 500 pounds? 500 pounds, that's almost, almost 300 kilograms. Yeah? Or 200 something kilograms. 220 something. This lady came. But you see, the thing was, she wants to lose weight. So A. Allen didn't say, oh, now you see, you should see a nutritionist. You should know. He said, do you believe? And the lady lost 200 pounds. Her skirt fell. Because she passed out, she fell under the path, she stood up and her skirt fell. She lost 200 inst- As in, they were not like, oh, you, okay, you should, it's true you should see a nutritionist. It's true you should see a doctor. But you see here, he said, only believe. It does not mean you should be reckless, old, but only there is a lady who came to Oral Roberts. The son was missing. I think the hip bone had been removed. So Oral Roberts had prayed for people. So she comes and she's like, my son needs a hip. And Oral Roberts is like, I've never seen such a miracle. By that time in his ministry, he had never seen a creative miracle. He had seen blind eyes open, lame legs. But he had, so Oral Roberts tells the lady, and he was tired. He had prayed, so he's gone. He told the lady, that I can't promise you. I've never seen a bone growing. And the lady told him, she held him, I think by the tie, and told him, Dr. Roberts, I didn't ask you to believe. I told you to pray. Me and the son believe. Yeah. Me and my son believe. Yours is just to pray. I just told you to pray. And he laid hands on the boy. And the next day they came back, that boy walking on the stage with a newborn. And all Robert's ministries followed that boy for more than 40 years. Even if you go online and you Google, you will see pictures of him hiking, married, with children, that hip bone was there. Only believe. All things are possible. Why does he say only believe? In other words, don't include doubt. Don't include trendy things. Only, as in it's the only thing. And he makes it so simple. You don't need to have much. You just need to believe. To rely on him. Can he do it? What are you believing for? And you see, that is how I'm so confident that there is a move of God going to hit this nation. Because I believe. We may say, oh, but Christians have become like this. But spiritual fathers have become like this. But the government has become like this. I believe. He told me to only believe. 
only believe. We, you wait when you see services where we have a number of street guys here. Many of them, most of the daytime, they're intoxicated, they're high. You will see them coming for these services, high, intoxicated, that they don't even know the stairs, where the stairs are going. But immediately they step there, sober, immediately, immediately. People will step in this place, lamb, and no one has prayed for them. I believe. I believe Kenya is about to see this power of God. I believe it. God is raising people. You know, God has raised people to teach the word of God. This nation has been a bit void of the word of God. You know, when I just came to this nation, Mempo would say, if somebody just taught and they didn't demonstrate power, he was called a teacher of the word. You get it? If somebody just stood and held the Bible and used their homiletics and told you, okay, according to the Greek, the word is this and this. Then if they had, if they could play with, if they could rhyme, I think rhyming is cool in the church in Kenya. If they could rhyme, you get it? Now the comforter comforts you when you ka something and ka <laughs> and hey, they just make a full sentence of ka ka ka. Like that guy is deep. Hey man, preach it. <laughs> so I went to many places to listen to the word and I would hear people rhyme and rhyme and rhyme. As in, if you're an orator, they call you a good teacher. As long as you have command of language, you're called a good teacher. No. A teacher is anointed to teach by the Holy Ghost. A teacher may be a stammerer, but he carries the anointing. While he taught the power to heal was present. If he's rhyming and rhyming and there is no power to heal, he's not a teacher. The anointing is there. Praise the Lord. So, so that's why God told us to begin these meetings, to teach and you see, that's why I've been teaching series, Spirit, Soul, and Body, how to hear the voice of God, righteousness, forgiveness, healing, like just teaching topic by topic. Praise the Lord. Because it was very crucial. And I know, I'm not called, I'm not in the office of a teacher. Praise the Lord. That I know. But there was need in this nation. And I know God has been raising people to teach the word. I know even people have been raised in this ministry in Ratsi, people who can teach the word. But... God is also raising evangelists again. Evangelists. You mark my word. God is raising evangelists in this nation. Evangelists. That shall preach the gospel. Crusades are coming back to this nation. And it's not going to be drama. We are not going to be doing crusades because you've organized to, to, to raise money. To, to You know, all these gimmicks forget. Crusades where miracles are going to be seen. It is going to be announced to this nation again that miracles still happen. We, this God that we serve has anointed us. Jesus says, if you do not believe me, at least believe for the miracles because of the miracles that I've done. So miracles are very key. You read the book of John, you'll see that wherever he did a miracle, the Bible says, and they believed on him. You see these ones. The son was healed and the whole family believed on God. Miracles are so key. Praise the Lord. What one miracle can do, a thousand summons cannot do. They can't. They can't. Somebody known in this Nairobi, a known figure, blind, lame, whatever. If that man, everyone can see that that man is healed, they are walking. You can have your memory card of summons and keep it. Everyone will want to know about that Jesus. Why did it, how did it happen? Tell us. 
One miracle. One miracle is more than a thousand summons. It is more than a thousand summons. And that is why God is raising. We are going to see a surge. Evangelists are not just the ones who stand in Matatu and preach for five minutes and that's offering for 20 minutes. That, that, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that carry the power of God. And what do evangelists do? An example of evangelists in the Bible we have is Philip. They preach Jesus. Philip went to Samaria and he preached Jesus. Wherever Philip went, he preached Jesus. You get it? He didn't preach, oh, he, he, corona, it is God punishing us, it is God. No, that's not evangelism. Evangelism is preaching Jesus, him crucified, dead, and resurrected. It is telling the world there is hope. You may be a sinner, you may be as red as crimson, but his blood, one drop of his blood can make you white as snow. That is evangelism. That is evangelism. It is not just talking with a Bible. So there is a lot that we've had in the name of crusades and what which is not evangelism. You, you, we go for a crusade and just talk about demons. There are demons here. There are demons of this. There are demons. No, an evangelist comes and says, there is Jesus here. I've come with Jesus. You, you know, there are things you don't need to announce. You see, when a president comes here, they, they don't come and tell you, oh, there are bodyguards around, there are these around there. No, they don't tell you that. Praise the Lord. Because when the president comes, no other name is worth mentioning. So if you carry Jesus, why spend an hour talking about demons? Christians know the names of demons more than they know the names of the disciples. That is wrong. God is raising people that are going to preach the gospel, the real gospel that is going to set people free in this nation. And I know some of you, God is raising you for that. Praise the Lord. Even as we were praying, I know there is somebody who was feeling, you are feeling on your feet, you're feeling like, like electricity, but your feet are shaking. Just the feet, yeah? You're feeling like they are shaking electricity, but it is because God is going to send you. God is going to send you to far lands to preach the gospel. To your feet are anointed. Beautiful are the feet that bring good tidings. What are good tidings? Good tidings is the message of Jesus paid it. He paid it all. He paid it all. There is nothing more you can do. Your offering cannot save you. Your rituals cannot save you. Baptism cannot save you. Going to church cannot save you. Only one man can save you. That is Jesus. He died for you on that cross. That is evangelism. That is the gospel. And God has raised a people in this nation. People, like he said, Elijah said, they, they are, okay. Okay, let's, let, let, let's just read that one. Let's read Romans. Let's read Romans chapter 11, verse 1 to 5. Let's finish with that one. I want to see this. I say then, hath God cast away his people of Kenya? God forbid, for I also am a Kenyan of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not, what the scripture saith of Elijah. How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knees to the image of Baal. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Even so then at this present time also, there is a remnant. Hallelujah. There is a remnant according to the election of grace. There is a remnant. 
There is, you know, people may say, oh, today Christians are about this. Even Christians don't believe what they preach. Christians, it's, it's just business churches. There is a remnant. There is a remnant. Man, you're about to be unleashed. The world is yet to see Christians who believe. They will see you in that office and like, you really believe that? You get it? When they say, oh, boss is sick, can I lay hands on? They were like, you really believe it? You actually believe it can work? Yes, there is a remnant. God has a remnant. God has a remnant. When they are being corrupt and you're not being corrupt, God has a remnant. Praise the Lord. When you sell whatever you sell, you sell food, you sell clothes, you, but you see you lay hands on them and whoever your customer is, you're like, no sickness will ever come upon you because, and they come back. They're like, I bought that cloth, I bought that food, I bought that whatever last year. And for whole year, that sickness stopped. There is a remnant. God has a remnant in this country. People are not ashamed of the gospel. Like Paul says, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God, the gospel. And you carry the gospel. God has anointed you for this. There is a remnant. There is a remnant. That is why you're here. People are scared of going to church during this time. You, you're here. We've opened. We are here. There is a remnant that is going to show this nation. And you see, like I say, that when churches start opening up, they'll be so amazed to see that these cases of corona are just going to go down. And every lie and folly that they've been propagating about corona is going to be revealed. It is going to be revealed. All their agenda, whatever their agenda was, it is going to be revealed. Because when we come and worship together like this, there is something that is released in the atmosphere. There is something that you carry even as you move from this place, as you go on to your home, there is something that you carry. This that God has put upon you, this that God puts upon your life, it is not, it is not, it is not just for, it is not for here in church. You get it? The Spirit of God in you is for you. You received when you, get, you got born again by the Spirit of God upon you. That power that comes upon you, you're shaking, you're speaking in tongues. You, that one is for the world. It is for others. He comes upon you for others. He comes upon you for the world. So this that you experience here, you can carry out there. You can, today you can walk in your house and have peace for the first time. If there has not been peace, if there have just been quarrels in your house, you can step there and there will be peace because of this that you carry. You can step there and there will be no more sickness. It's been cold. People are wheezing. People are cold and what? No, you don't need to be that way anymore. You don't need to be that way. We believe what the word of God says. By his stripes, we were healed. He didn't say by his stripes, you were healed until a pandemic comes. By his stripes, you were healed until something is so serious. By his stripes, you were healed, but if it's infectious, there is no but. It is you are healed. Only believe. Only believe. That is what Jesus told these guys. Can you believe? If you can believe, all things are possible. Anything is possible if you believe. What are you believing for? All things are possible. It is possible for you to have joy and peace 24-7. Whether the stock market is down, it goes high, whether the whatever, it is possible for you to have your peace every day. Only believe. That is what God has called you for. God has called you for greatness, and that is how you're going to impact this world. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for everyone that has come. And thank you.